Welcome to Hold Up, the podcast where we watch your favorite rom-coms and decide whether they hold up. I'm Carrie Gilbert. I'm Allison Gilbert. And this week we watched The Wedding Date, which I did look up, came out in 2004. I looked up because... No, it was 2005. Only one website listed it as 2004. It came out in February of 2005. Oh, that's right, because it got delayed. It was originally scheduled for 2004, and then Deborah Messing got knocked up, so they couldn't do promo and press for it so they delayed the opening or the release or whatever and there's a scene that's clearly a reshoot and she's pregnant as fuck i missed that the scene where she and holland taylor are getting their hair done the day of the wedding and she's in a she's covered up with a sure we call those like a cape like a hair hairstylist cape um mm-hmm. but a smock a smock, sort sure. of a smock. I have a question, actually. When but was she's the last time we very pregnant and like can't even move? Like there's, when... she has to like put something down, and she's like, Ugh. "When was Girl the last there. time we watched a movie without Holland Taylor in it?" I don't know, but I'm. I feel like maybe this is now a Holland Taylor podcast. It's and we not like I do her filmography and like we're not our planning at it that like we're not like let's watch all the holland taylor rom-coms it's just that we keep accidentally watching all the holland taylor she's just like constantly an overbearing mother yes love it love it i truly i don't she think she was fantastic in this oh. she was my favorite part also holland taylor Period. living the dream. no one was fantastic wait okay i we have to say it came out in 2005 what did it receive on rotten tomatoes i don't know i didn't look up any of that guess 32. Oh my God, you're being so nice to this movie. Lower. 24. Lower. No, yes. stop. This is, it has to be among the worst we've ever watched. 18. Lower. Stop. Is it a single digit? It is not. It is just barely not a single digit. 10. 11. 11. It's 11. Yikes. This movie received an 11% on Rotten Tomatoes. It was directed by Claire Kilner and Dana Fox. TLC. I'm sorry, it had two directors? Directed by Claire Kilner, written by Dana Fox. Oh, okay. I wrote TLC next to Dana Fox because there was something she did that I wanted to remember, but I put it in. And I will say, before we rip this movie to shreds, because it is not good, I looked up both of these women's filmographies, and they're very good. And when I looked up Dana Fox's, I was like, she's who I want to be. She's just written rom-coms and like lives in her house somewhere and is happy like that's all i want in the world is just like have an office where i write rom-coms and no one talks to me and Sounds so I, I feel like for the eight thousandth time we need to say like this is not a judgment on these women's talents no i suspect this movie a movie was this- studioed to hell this movie got studioed to hell because also yeah. every single actor in this movie, which is Deborah Messing, Dermot Moroni, Amy motherfucking Adams, Holland Taylor, the hot guy from Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, Jonathan Davenport. Thank you. Who plays the cousin? Also a very like this movie has such a strong cast and none of them are giving anything. There is no chemistry. There is no it's just like. I don't think this the failure of this movie can be blamed on there not being talent. It's just something went very wrong. Yeah. Um, but wait, I do have to see what TLC is that I wrote next to Dana Fox's name because I think it was like, oh, that's relevant to, oh, The Lost City. She wrote The Lost City, which is that movie mm. I recently, I don't remember if it was on a Patreon or on here that I said like, 
perfect plain movie. And I do think very good, very funny, like well-structured, well-written movie. She wrote Cruella, which was a movie I really liked. Um, is it romantic? How to be single. Yeah. This woman is not. A oh, bad with she did a, both isn't romantic and how to be single. She did with Mark Silverstein, ex Mr. Busy Phillips, <clears throat> and, his, and Abby Cohn, his writers. So I don't know. If gotcha. Like, okay. I don't know she's, if it was like a. She's not his writing partner, but like they've overlapped. Got it. Yeah. It must be that like one of them wrote the original and then the other team or individual came in to and also contributed. I don't know the gotcha. inner workings of it, but this woman is not a bad. Uh, romantic comedy writer it's just I think you're right this was noted to hell and turned out look I wasn't mad that I spent an afternoon watching it no it's not in any way a good movie like no 11% sure it had its moments I there were moments where I was like this is enjoyable one day I'm going to go through and like fill in the Rotten Tomato score of every movie we've ever watched and rank them from Rotten Tomatoes worst to best and see how it falls in line with our worst to best. Ooh, I like that. Carrie, what were your expectations? When was the last time you watched this? Tell us about the plot of the wedding date. So the plot of the wedding date is that um, Deborah Messing, Cat, Deborah Messing, played by Cat. No. Uh, Strike in reverse. Cat played by Deborah Messing. Played by Deborah Messing. Um, is single and miserable, obviously. Um, and she has to go to London, where she grew up. Question mark. It's um, very confusing why it's implied that Deborah Messing and Amy Adams both grew up in London, but have their marriage. They were clearly born in the United States, but like moved to London as children. And did not take on an accent in any way, shape, or form. Particularly Amy Adams. Well, Taylor sort of did. <laughs> Amy Adams, like her, her father is British. Yes, and spending spe- stepfather, but who raised her as his own, and she calls dad. Correct. Which I actually like that storyline, except that at one point she says he's my stepfather, so he's not technically family. And I was like, That's not how that works. But you call him dad. Also, know. it felt like it was trying to add depth, and I was like, we just didn't need this. <laughs> just making it murky. Um, this whole movie is murky. Um, oh shit, what did, I just erased a note. Anyway, um, so you got to write it down and go to flash and pen and paper. Anyway, so she's miserable. She's going to London for her sister's wedding. Her the best man is her ex fiance, um, who she's still hung up on inexplicably um because he sucks and he's not even that cute correct he's like Um, boring handsome you know he's like any guy you'd see at the gym correct um and so she hires a male escort to be her date to the wedding played by Dermot Mulroney it's a rom-com so you see where this is going they fall in love it's unclear Except why. I missed the moment when they like to the point where I missed the moment they fell in love, where it was like I should rewind because I missed a scene. What happens no. is they have sex and then they're in love. I, I Which, think if the I was implication have, is like they're they're like fall. The, I don't know. It's unclear, Allison. It's unclear. It's they not have clear sex, but it's not. It's not like sex she's paying for because she does tell him that she finds sex for money morally repugnant. Which, first of all, Deborah, and second of all, 
you don't say that to someone's face about their career. You say it behind Correct. their backs. That's rude. It's just rude. Also, um, you're the one hiring him. So, but anyway, she was like, I'll never, we're not going to do that. So then she like comes home from the bachelorette party wasted. They have sex. And then the next day that like, maybe she doesn't really remember. It's unclear. But then the next day they're in love. If you fell in love with every person you'd ever had sex with. I mean, well, but also like, so like, he's very dreamy. Like, first of all, he's Dermot Mulroney, but also like he's a male escort. So like, he knows how to talk to women. Like the man has game. Right. Um, so I understand why she is falling. Like, I understand why she is attracted to him. I do not understand where his attraction to her is coming from. Because, again, he's a male escort. Like, presumably, like, he's gone on dates with lots of attractive women. And not that, like, escorts or sex workers fall in love with, like, all the attractive people. But, like... There's no development of her character that makes me understand why, like, he's falling for her in any way that he, like, it isn't just a professional situation. There's no understanding of how she's different than any other woman. Correct. Other than just that, like, she's the protagonist of this movie. But to be fair, his character is nothing but handsome. And you're right, like charming in a way because he's a male escort and like you said knows how to talk to women but like you don't really ever see who he is as a person you get one scene one scene where well no two things happen first of all everybody in the movie is telling us how perfect he is but he's playing a part and at one point he even himself says you don't know that I'm, she says something about like, it must be nice to get paid for just being yourself. And he says like, I'm not, you don't know that I'm being myself, which like, correct. So please tell us who you are. And then at one point she gets a, like, they're, they're having a conversation where she says like, I feel like I know nothing about you. And he lists like four innocuous facts and then has a great line where he says like, I think I'd miss you even if I never met you, which is a beautiful line. But like, oh, I wrote a, feels, it. <laughs> feels like it comes out of nowhere. It if does. It came, I was like, why? If it were in why the would right, you miss her if you never met? I don't get it. If it were in the right movie or the right book, you know, like with the right couple, I would be like, oh, that's beautiful. But this couple, I was like, why? Why do you think you'd miss her? That felt like good lines and came out of nowhere. I think I'd miss you even if we'd never met. And uh, I'd rather fight when you with you than make love with anyone else. Great lines. But like, how do you know? Great lines, but also like not all that original. Although, to be fair, this is based on a book. So maybe they came from the book. I've never read the book. I'm not adding it to my the list. Fight, I'd rather fight with you than make love with anybody else. It feels like not that original. I feel like I'd miss you even if we never met. That's a good line that I, like, I want it someplace else with different It does people. feel like it would fit well in a, um, I don't like calling him chiclet. I explained to Ben people we meet on vacation because he was playing video games. And I was like, I'm just going to watch you play video games. So I was reading. And then he was like, what is like, he like looked at it and he was asked, like, asked what it is. And I was I, I like, I basically was like, it's a rom-com. But I was like, the book term for that is chiclet. And I hate that term. So I follow this woman on Instagram who's a book. Like she has a bookstagram um, for lack of a better phrase. Our entire um, hold up TikTok, Carrie, also is just rom-com books. You got to diversify into movies because we're going to end up on book talk and more movie podcasts. <laughs> She's been, she calls them, she said the same thing. She like hates the phrase chiclet. 
So she calls them, what did she call them? Like just like if it's not a romance novel and it like because her her thing is like beach reads. So it's usually yeah, like thrillers. Read. It's usually like thrillers, romance novels, rom coms, and then like sometimes there's things that are a little murky. And like when she doesn't know where else to put it, she just calls it fiction, like new fiction or like but that's just that's so general because it just means not nonfiction. And like, but it's also like, I mean, like Goodreads does that too. When it doesn't fit into some like particular genre, they just call it fiction. And like, maybe I'm being judgmental about romance novels, but like something like a people we meet on vacation doesn't seem like a romance novel the way we think of it. Like it is a romantic story, but it's not like, it's not like a, the lost city type romance novel. It's not, you know what I mean? It's not smut. It's, I but know, I think romance not a balcony in the rain. It's pretty smutty. Sorry, spoilers. Way spoilers. Allison, okay. that's like on you my know. List. Eventually, those two people have sex. It's a romance. God, Emily Henry loves like a rain scene. Jesus, um, oh, that's the only Emily Henry I've read because I'm literally 148th in line for book lovers. I'm just gonna buy Jesus. it. I'm book gonna lovers has bullet. a rain scene. Um, Unfortunately, three of my holds just came into my library, and I haven't finished Malibu Rising yet. Of, so I have four um, books. How are you feeling about Malibu Rising? That's when I told. I you like it. Time. I know you said people don't like it. I like it. It is a slower burn than um I'm actually, 151st no. in line for you made a fool of death with your beauty. I don't know what that is, but I wish you the best. Thanks. Um this is also I, really like, annoying. My so like when I have these are two books that I have checked out right now, and it tells me how many people are waiting. Like I don't need that fucking kind of pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Los Angeles Library does not do that. Some bullshit. Anyway, um, go on. Malibu Rising is good. I was going to say it's a slower burn than One True Loves, which it is. But I like The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo was a slower burn than One True Loves. One True Loves was, I feel like we just, oh, we got right died. to the point. It was just gone. And then yeah, and she fell in love with someone else. And also we knew exactly who she was going to fall in love with because their names were all there. One True Loves, we were just speeding through. Yeah. Um, It to me is slower. Like I don't super know what's happening in Malibu Rising yet. But I'm not okay. mad about it. And like my interest is peaked. And there's like a timeline thing. You go, it's about like four siblings, but then you go back to their parents and you come back to present and you get all the siblings' perspectives. Um interesting. So it's interesting. Similar to Evelyn Hugo, which timeline jumped. Also, at one point they reference Celia St. James in the olden times. Oh, that's cute. Some producer at this like family party they have. This like Hollywood family party says gets drunk and says that he has proof that Celia St. James is gay. Mm-hmm. And I love it. Jasmine Gilroy does this a ton where her like characters cross. That's, that's a very common in like actually romance, ha- rom-com role. That's very common. Have you started flying solo yet? Because Linda Holmes does it excellently. No. It just takes place in the same town. So at one point when the main character, I don't think this, this isn't a spoiler. And if you want to hear more about our opinions on Flying Solo by Linda Holmes, it's our summer book club and we're doing it on our Patreon next month. Um, it's just like the main character comes home and she's talking to her high school boyfriend. Um, and she says something about like, what's new in the town? And he's like, this famous baseball player lives here. And she's like, what? And he was like, oh yeah, do you remember Evie Drake? She was a few, or every whatever her maiden name is she was a few years older than us like she married this baseball player and I was like mm-hmm. I know them yeah that's like very that. typical of like 
romance, they don't rom-com otherwise writers. show up in the novel like they're not friends with our protagonist or the love interest of flying solo it's just all in that same like main town which is gotcha and jasmine galore galory um Gil- i always say gilroy but i don't know why i think that's right that doesn't that's not how that's spelled okay anyway her sometimes her characters are friends like yes but anyway okay her characters will literally be like the supporting character of one book is the main character of the next correct yes they also don't hate i'm only like three books into that series and that series is several years old anyway um let's get back to talking about the The wedding wedding day (laughs) correct i don't know how when i edit this it's gonna be wild um you know what i gave up on persuasion the show or the book the book not even gonna start the show everyone says it's terrible um somebody holds ran i had to get him that's her. Somebody was like, um, Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck getting married is like, is the more interesting version of persuasion now, right now. Um, I saw someone say, and I love this theory. Do we now reset to 2004 and get a I wish. Open? I wish. Um, is the timeline reset because they were all, is their breakup? Now, I don't like to think about this because Jennifer Gardner has her children and she wouldn't otherwise. And you know that on this podcast, we support, I do feel like the JLo Ben Affleck marriage is something relevant to this podcast. So it's okay to take a detour and talk about it. Sure. Both rom-com staples, except not really him. Um, but Jennifer Gar- we've, t- we've had him in surviving only Christmas. that bad Christmas one. Correct. The only other rom-com I can think of Ben Affleck in is what's that terrible one with all the people. But that's not a Valentine's Day. Oh, he's just not that into you. That's not a rom com. Oh, sure, sure. What are you talking about? A different movie. He's just no, not that. We should do that, that one. You. Yeah. Okay. Another Mark Silverstein, Abby Cohn. Would you call Bounce a rom com? Probably not. I love the movie Bounce. I hate that movie. I have not seen the movie Bounce in decades, but as a child, I loved the movie Bounce because my sexual awakening did take place to Ben Affleck. The other day, Ben was like, I hate Ben Affleck. And I was like, I get it. But also I'm like, I'm so, I root for him so hard. What is there to hate? Like, I understand like him not being your cup of tea, but like hate is a strong word for a man that I feel like is like pretty benign. He doesn't think he's talented. He thinks he's too beloved to not be that talented and when i said like no i like i really am endeared to him i root for him and also like i'm was as a child deeply in love with him he was like you were in love with ben affleck over matt damon i was like if you're gonna have the conversation about who's more talented obviously the answer is matt damon when i was 10 years old and was watching fucking goodwill hunting and armageddon and i was like why do i have to pee all the time that was to ben affleck also like Matt Damon's more obnoxious to me than Ben Affleck is. Matt Damon, Matt Damon is a more says obnoxious, more like stupid shit. Yeah, but I don't think Ben's judging them on who says stupid shit. He's like base talent only. And Matt Damon is a very talented person. Sure. And he's always like, he's like, Ben Affleck is a bad actor. And I was like, what about that scene in Goodwill Hunting where he tells Matt Damon that every day when he knocks on his door, he wishes he won't come down because I love that monologue. And he was like, and he made a very good point. And I have been thinking about himself. No. That Ben Affleck is to women 
what I, I suggested, maybe Jessica Alba, Alexandra Daddario. Yes, is to men, and they're not talented. They're just hot. I was like, are you suggesting that I'm pussy blind by Ben Affleck? And he was like, 100%. I was like, Jeff and I have not regular, a right. <laughs> Jeff and I have regular arguments about Alexander Daddario because his wasn't Alexander Daddario, but it was like in that vein of, he was like, you said, I only liked this woman because she was hot. Scarlett was like, Johansson. That's true. No. Because all I had to do about Scarlett Johansson was like, remember that time she played an Asian woman? And he was like, and then he got mad. remember that time she married colin joe's um talk about vanilla cardboard what would you rather watch this movie that we have yet to begin to talk about (laughs) or colin jost and uh scarlett johansson having an after dinner conversation what do you think is more boring do you think colin jost and scarlett johansson just look at each other and think we are what the nazis dreamed of (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i actually feel like their conversation would be so um what's the word i'm looking for pseudo intellectual yeah what's like it would be so obnoxious that i'd be like this is interesting this is entertaining all right, let's talk about the wedding date because I've got notes and it's 10 So many notes. Okay, so first of all, okay, I was started to say this and then we got sidetracked by the plot. Holland Taylor's character is living the dream. She's a single mother who ends up married finding a handsome, rich British man who mm-hmm. wants to marry her and help her raise her child. Like... He has a lovely scene where he says, like, the first, he's talking about the first time he met Deborah Messing, like, a few months after he was dating Helen Taylor. And she, like, looked up and then smiled. And he says, like, and that's the day I became a dad, which was a really lovely monologue that would have fit really well in a movie about someone struggling with becoming a parent. And yet in this movie, it was just like, that was lovely. It doesn't fit. It didn't matter. It was supposed to be this, like, like this weird, like, dad moment of him being like, don't fuck with her. And, like, we get all these implications that, like, maybe the dad, knows that Dermot Mulroney and Deborah Messing aren't truly together but like it's only kind of flushed out I didn't get that at one point Dermot Mulroney says like I want permission to date your daughter and he's like aren't you already and I was like why are you yeah but then he like quotes so like the way um Deborah Messing finds Dermot Mulroney is that like he's anonymously profiled in a magazine and New New York magazine isn't it? And then her dad like quotes it to her. And so then the implication is like, does he know that's him? I don't know. What's oh, weird. I didn't get that. I just thought it was supposed to be like a sign to her that her dad was now saying, because the quote he's quoting that I have fucking issue with is that every woman has the love life she dreams of. So if you're sad and single, it's your own fault, which Deborah Messing like halfway challenges him on. And then later her dad like repeats the quote to her and she's like, I guess it must be true. And I have, as a woman who was single up until very recently, I take issue with this idea that like, if you are single and don't want to be like, and I, there is some level of seriousness to like, everybody has the life you want. However, the idea that like, because the idea is like, you could be dating someone if you wanted to, which has always, which I think is true of most, if not all women, 
But it's like, yeah, but the the implication there is lower your standards. Right. And no, I will not. Also, I dated for 15 years. 15 years. <laughs> and let me tell you, many a time did I consider lowering my standards. And it is dark out there. This idea of like, well, if you didn't want to be single, you wouldn't be correct. But also like value yourself more than you value wanting to be with a man. Also... And like acknowledge your stand. Like my standards are there for a reason. Keep dating and you'll find someone who meets them, please. Also, the idea is like, then it's the woman's fault. And like men can treat women however they want. Because like the alternative is that you'll be single. As if like being single is worse than being treated like shit. Like, no, I don't know that the whole idea of like, well, everyone has the love life they want bother no particularly every woman has the love life they want bothers me because it's basically like if you don't want to be sad and single put up with men's shit so i hear what you're saying i also think in this movie like the one of the reasons i struggle with this movie is that i don't like the deborah messing character and like part of what dermot milroney and her father are saying to her is like she's a martyr like she has like played the she's first of all she's a people pleaser and so like she doesn't she lets people walk all over her and then she's like upset when people walk all over her and she's miserable when like people take advantage of her even though she's like letting them take advantage of her and like being quote unquote too nice and I agree like I think this character is kind of insufferable particularly in the beginning um and I guess she has some growth again. It's like the character development's real, real questionable here. Um, so I think part of the, this idea that like she has the love life she wants is that she has played the role of like jilted ex-fiance for so long that like there's a part of her that doesn't want to give that up. And I agree. And that's part of why like a lot of the characters in this world I like like the cousin I really enjoy Holland Taylor I enjoy Amy Adams I enjoy there's pieces here that work part of the problem is I don't really like the main couple at all as individuals or as a couple fair also I think all of the individual things we like none of them have chemistry together that's none fair Deborah Messing the cousin, is the cousin is doing some heavy lifting she's really doing- some she's trying to bring the chemistry and the fun she really but is. also Say what you will about like Deborah Messing's weird Twitter presence currently, but like it's that's Deborah Messing. She is particularly at this point in the world one of the greatest working comedians. Like you shouldn't have to bring in a ringer if Deborah Messing is your lead. And this but, movie but- is not honoring Deborah Messing and her talents. They, so like it's clear that like. Deborah Messing is our modern day Lucille Ball. So here's my theory. Any bitch off the street. Yeah. So here's my theory about that is like this, this was not a role that was written with Deborah Messing in mind. I think this is a role that was written with like somebody far more generic in mind. And then, you know, this is sort of like peak Will and Grace era. So they're trying to make her like a rom-com star, right? So, so the studio hires her to be in this movie. So then the director like 
and maybe they're like maybe maybe they did a rewrite there are sometimes when you when you get there and you're like there she is right and they like try to do some like physical stuff with her they they try to give her moments but it never quite works like nobody like lets her off the reins long enough to make that character likable or enjoyable or appealing or you know like grace the character of grace is incredibly is a despicable human being being who is incredibly neurotic and unlikable in a lot of ways but then when you let deborah messing play her in the original the reboot's not canon um I have there are things that emotional become... connection to the original finale of Will and Grace that I could never bring myself. I was like, it ended. Correct. I'm done. Correct. But so you let Deborah Messing play this like neurotic, selfish, vain character, and she becomes appealing and she becomes funny and she becomes enjoyable. That didn't happen at all in this movie. I agree with you 100%. The other thing that makes that is that Grace's foil is Will, a person who is selfless to a fault, who indulges all of those things in her to his own detriment. They are are an unhealthy coupling and they both remain single for as long as they do because they use the other one to replace their desire, their need for actual uh, romantic intimacy. And only when they truly confront that are Harry Connick Jr. and uh, Bobby Cannavale allowed to become are like male romantic leads it's good writing and it's good like character foils and it's good character development over eight years of watching these two people be incredibly codependent and we're endeared to grace because will is so like overly caring of her which isn't which for it's like very different because that's a tv show and the relationship is different they are not a romantic couple right um but like that's not there. One, you're right. We're not letting Deborah Messing do what she's good at, which is be funny. And Deborah Messing is also a good dramatic actress. If you doubt it, there's an episode of Will and Grace where they essentially decide to move out, and the entire episode ends in sitcoms. Every scene has to end on um, the blow, which is like the last joke. So like even your most dramatic scenes ends on a, a joke. For instance, like. Sorry, if all of this is boring, like TV writer nonsense, cut it out. But like in the episode of Friends where Ross and Rachel break up, the blow of the scene is Joey walking out weirdly because he has to pee. You can't end it on the sadness. In this episode of Will and Grace, it ends on uh, you don't live here anymore. Screw you. You don't live here anymore. And that's where it ends. There is no blow. They fight. They're moving out from each other. It's And both of them, Deborah Messing and... Eric something anyway Will and Grace both act like they both do a terrific performance Deborah Messing's a very good actor they're not letting her do when she is being like serious and sweet she's doing this like weird soft actory voice and Eric then like McCormick ev- thank you Eric McCormick and then every now and then there's like a peak of funny Deborah Messing but we never really get there and then you're right like Amy Adams and the cousin are being the like funny off the wall ones with which they're both very capable of doing but it's like we also like Dermot Mulroney is funny and like he has some funny moments but like they don't ever let him and Deborah Messing play off of each other like these are two people who could very easily play off of each other and it doesn't happen no they don't have chemistry Deborah Messing and Amy Adams don't have chemistry 
which is like it's a movie about like a sister going to a sister's wedding and i guess they're not supposed to be all that close but i'm they're still supposed to supposed believe to be cl- they're close right but i'm still supposed to believe they're sisters right they're still i'm still supposed to believe they love you i'm supposed i'm still supposed to believe that these two women have met each other and the entire time i'm watching this movie i think i think like I bet if Amy Adams and Deborah Messing saw each other at a party today, they'd introduce them. Like these two women don't know each other. <laughs> also, in a movie where Deborah Messing and Amy Adams are supposed to be sisters, why are they not both redheads like they are in real life? So why is all, Amy Adams blonde? First of all, I want to look up and see if Amy Adams is actually blonde or if we're living in an Emma Stone situation, which I think is possible, which is they dyed her hair red to make her more interesting as an actress sure and also i think it's probably because deborah messing was like such a prolific redhead in 2005 and amy adams in 2005 was still sort of unknown that they didn't that they wanted deborah messing to stand out she was a famous she was in 2005 she was lucille ball she was the off the wall redhead sure i get it and so i do think there was probably discussion of that I'm guessing. I don't know any of this. And they decided to make her blonde. Also, Amy Adams' character is insufferable. But yet, because they're letting her be Amy Adams, like, because they're letting her do her, like, Amy Adams thing, I'm not as... They're letting... I'm not as bothered by the Amy Adams character as I am by the Deborah Messing character. Like, there's something about... The Deborah Deborah Messing character is a deeply annoying person. With no and endearing like, qualities. And she's so stilted. And like, it just feels like, I don't know if it was the, di- like the director or the studio or a producer. I suspect it was not the director. I suspect it was like this movie got studioed and maybe edited to hell. And that's why there are reshoots where she's like clearly nine months pregnant. Well, um, at most movies have reshoots, but maybe but, edited to hell. Um. I, there's she's just very deeply unappealing to me and like amy adams is supposed to be like a brat and spoiled and flawed cheated, in a lot cheated on her husband and- but she didn't cheat on him that was the other thing okay she never actually cheated on her fiance now husband she cheated he on her says, sister that's correct like she slept with her sister's fiance who is sure. the best man who's the best man that's a problem that's a problem yeah i mean you shouldn't cheat on your fiance but you're right she didn't but also you shouldn't sleep with your sister's fiance no you shouldn't sleep with your sister's fiance that that's a problem you're right i agree but the fiance jack davenport's character ed who speaking of like full circle they're both on smash later um thank you i kept thinking like why don't i watch more smash (laughs) it's because of the two (laughs) um speak hold on pause to talk about jack davenport for a minute so i feel like he often particularly in like american stuff ends up getting cast as the villain like in smash um in pirates of the caribbean like he wasn't the villain i was gonna say he gets cast as this character he's not the villain in pirates of the caribbean he's the cuck hold he's he's cuckolded he is a in pirates of the caribbean at least the first one I've only seen this. I've seen the first one a thousand times. I've only seen the second two once. And that's where it ends for me. In the first Pirates of the Caribbean, he is her nice, sweet, decent fiance who just isn't Orlando Bloom. And when he realizes that, he's basically like, you're not in love with me. Go 
Mary Will Turner. He is okay. I'm a perfectly decent character in Pirates of the Caribbean, unless they change his character in later movies, because which he, I can't speak to. He was on like the original British coupling, which like, I don't know if you remember coupling, but it was like a British sitcom. It didn't last very long. And then they tried to make an American version that was awful. Um, but he was on the it's British aired, version. Aired between Friends and Will and Grace. Yes. He was on the British version and he was very much like the um bad boy no good guy ross how how i met your mother ted barney marshall marshall he was very much the marshall um oh the only person oh the only man on how i met your mother worth shit yes he's like he's he's one half of the married couple he's the Damon Wayne's Jr. of Happy Endings. He's the Marshal. He's what the hell is that actor's name? Jason. Se- Are you forgetting Jason Siegel? Jason Siegel. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. This I'm is a Jason Siegel stand podcast. I know. I know. I know. Why is he not I mean, writing more movies? He wrote two great movies and fucked off forever. Come back to us, Jason. Anyway, he. I like him in this sort of like affable lovable role i really liked him in coupling i really like this version of him you prefer the smash version of him because so pirates of the caribbean was very another movie talk about the evolution of my sexual awakening (laughs) ben affleck you like him swarthy huh I like him swarthy. Ben Affleck, don't tell my blonde boyfriend. Ben Affleck, Josh Hartnett, Orlando Bloom. As okay. Will Turner, not he doesn't do it for me as Legolas. It's too wafy. Yeah, you like him swarthy. I go back to I like I like him swarthy. So because this actor to me, and because I was such a big fan of Pirates of the Caribbean. And so this actor to me always harkens back to Pirates of the Caribbean. I don't like that's who he is to me. And he's a cuckold. Is the person a cuckold or do they get cuckolded? Both. Great. So when Smash came around, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> this is this. No one can see you. Okay. Well, I was she, she did like a dramatic, like, like he's hot. <laughs> I like him as mean mean director like being like towing a line of sexual ethics with Catherine McPhee all right did it for me agree to disagree I like I enjoy him in this more like affable role what I don't buy is that so it's it's like so again this movie like there I don't know if it's a continuity error or like what but so he says I knew you were seeing somebody else when we first got together. I just didn't realize it was your sister's fiance. Okay. Well then technically you're the other man. Like if she's seeing somebody and then you two get together, like she left him for you. And then he says like, I forgave her when I thought it was just some random bloke. What are you forgiving her for? That she was dating somebody and then she stopped dating that guy to start dating you. And then he's like pissed. Now, granted, I he has the right to be pissed that like his best friend and his fiance never told him that they had. He also the first question he asked is, "Does your sister know?" Yes, because he is a good person. His first question is like, "This is awful. Does everyone hurt by your dumbass actions? Know what you did?" Which yes. I appreciated in him. 
I do. I just feel like, and this is not, it's not about the character. Like I, again, I like this character. It's just that like there, the, there's like just something that's not quite working with this movie. Like even it's the storylines, it's murky. It feels forced. Like it feels like this Amy Adams love triangle was there to create drama, but it wasn't entirely thought through. I, it just is a little, also, not, the, the follow through like, is not great. Also the whole like breakup. So like uh, Deborah Messing and Dermot Moroni, like admit their feelings from each for each other and start dating. And then the like breakup of it is her finding out that he had found out this information and not told her. He found out that information like a full 12 hours before she did. And then didn't tell her, which I'm sort of like, I mean, yes, he should have, but also like maybe he just hadn't had a chance yet. And also like, this isn't his family. This isn't right. his it's not his story. To, I, like your sister. It's needs not to be his to story to that. tell. I was like, I'd sort of be like, why didn't you tell me that frustrates me? But to have their whole, like, now we can never be together. Cause you're not honest with me. I was like, he didn't have fucking time. <laughs> like, Well, and he does say to her this going back to like her whole, like martyrdom thing is he says like, maybe you can hold on to this breaking up long enough to ruin your next one. Like it's, I think the implication being like, she's, she manufactures problems so that she doesn't have to be in a relationship which goes back to the whole like you have the the relationship you want to have or that you're creating for yourself fine i buy all of that particularly because this character does seem wacked like just kind of off in a lot of ways but but i agree that like the impetus of it 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 just like the the movie needed to slow down a little bit. Like we just are rushing through things. I feel like. Which brings me to my next point. Also, the- wait, hold on. Time out. More importantly yeah. is like her cousin also never told her. Her cousin, who's like presumably like her best friend, knew about the cheating and never For told her. For years, it's implied. For years, never told her. And like she she's pissed, but like we don't ever not really I, it's just uh, uh, i need i needed more none of it makes sense this movie moves too quickly and doesn't make sense and deborah messing sucks and here's how it's all summed up In the beginning of the movie we're told she works customer service at virgin airlines and she's going to get on a flight and someone stops her and they're like i need you to talk to this customer on the phone they're very angry and she says i can't my flight leaves in 15 minutes and she has fully like six suitcases she looks like a real housewife going to cabo for three days she has so much luggage She's like, I can't. My flight leaves in 15 minutes. Then proceeds to get on the phone call, the implication of which probably took around a full 10 minutes. Then somehow miraculously makes her flight, but he's not there yet. So he's even later to this flight, which takes off in 15 minutes. And yet we do enough things in that 15 minute span that like at least an hour has to have gone by. I was like, I can't, I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. No, it does not make sense. And why are they even in New York? Just be in London. Just be British. Oh, they danced together, which is why they fell in love, which I did buy. I was like, the dancing was cute. Also, we got some Michael Bublé in there. Also, her dress in that scene is perfection. 2005 perfection. Her clothes in this are 2005 perfection. So many kitten heels. Like, They're I just, a kitten heel everywhere. The the pastel baby doll dresses is just <laughs> a choice. Um, so Grace what Adler just- would never the things that what I was just looking up is that like in addition to Michael Bublé every other scene 
we also open this movie with breathless by the cores mm-hmm. and Great song. they have sex to secret by maroon five i mean just a perfect early aught soundtrack like the beautiful two, beautiful the two the two movies where secret by maroon five is used in sex scenes is this and closer <laughs> that, like very <laughs> sexy Dark. jude law clive owen natalie portman who's the other oh julia, julia roberts, roberts. <laughs> yeah that i like read as a play as a teenager and then watched the movie and was like i shouldn't be this is there's too much sex i used to think that like I think there was a time in my early teens where I was like, one day I'm going to lose my virginity to to secret by my rune five. Yep. Yeah. It never happened. I, based on the like media that I consumed in the early odds, I assumed that Maroon five would just be constantly playing in the background of every romantic encounter I ever had. Because you watched Love Actually too many times? It has not played out that Love Actually, Bridget Jones, this, I mean, like. To be fair. I don't want to be like an Adam Levine stan here because I am not. But that first album was good. Uh, yeah. So the album was I'm not secret. sure what happened after that, but the like the album yeah. was secret and the songs from Love Actually, like Songs About Jane is a good album. Yeah. And then they got famous and they were like, what if we made a bunch of bullshit generic pop for the rest of our careers? And I hosted the voice. Correct. And that's a bummer because Songs About Jane is a good fucking album. Yeah. And I once watched them. Are you ready for the most? Um, I grew up in the aughts sentence of all time. Yes. I saw them at Ravinia open for John Mayer. Wow. Lawn seats, baby. Beautiful. Just beautiful. I do feel like I would like Amy Adams and Holland Taylor to be in most of the movies that I watch from here on out. Sure. I mean, good news, Carrie, because I don't think we can get a movie without Holland Taylor. <laughs> she keeps showing True. up. Also, you know who's so beautiful? Amy Adams. Adams. Absurd. It's absurd how beautiful she is. Again, when that wedding dress, which was awful, and she had a weird fucking crown, and her still, like, she was glowing. She was like an angel. Her makeup was stunning. To be fair, you and I also have a thing for Amy Adams, and then there were two of the only people on the planet who watched The Woman in the Window. (laughs) Do I have a thing for Amy Adams, or do I have a thing for, like, not great thriller movies with women at the center of them? Tough call. Speaking of, speaking of the books, I just read a really good one, a good thriller one. The Wife Upstairs? No. Um, I just read. Because I told you to. Malderizing might technically be a thriller. It's unclear yet. Great. Um, At some point, a house burns down. uh, It's called In My Dreams, I Hold a Knife. It's good. I mean, it's crazy. It's it's absurd, but but it was good. Here's my last note on this movie. Can we stop straightening Deborah Messing's hair? Yes, thank you. It doesn't it doesn't work. It doesn't. She she's speaking of beautiful women. She's a beautiful woman. Her she always looks great, but it always looks like it just has had too much heat on it when it's straightened. It's like when it's it, straightened, it's just fried to oblivion. It's also like I don't mean to be this person, but is it a little bit anti-Semitic when we straighten Deborah Messing's hair? That's half a joke and half real. Like, is it a little bit just like, if it's curly, she'll look too Jewish? Well, and I think this family is supposed to be very, like, waspy. Holland Taylor is the mother. No one's buying Holland Taylor as a Jewish mother. She's supposed to be waspy. Yeah, I don't know why we straightened her hair. And and maybe maybe there's some, we needed to make her look more Gentile, which is weird. 
Um, but it so always never messing. Looks, it just she's looks, Jewish. It just looks like there's no way when a woman has like that curly of hair. When you straighten it, it looks fried. It looks fried unless you're like doing like a silk press, which they clearly weren't every day on set. So it's not great. Mm-mm. It's not good. There's too much Michael Bublé, and I don't hate Michael Bublé. It's just like. I, there's something about Michael Bublé's even non-Christmas music that's Christmassy to me. So it's just like, why is this movie taking place in summer if there's so much Michael Bublé? Yeah, so much Michael Bublé. Fun I, story about Soundtrack's mom. great, though. Fun story about mom that the listeners should know when she was going in for some cancer treatment back when she had cancer. She's fine. She was like halfway under and they're wheeling her in. And I, I, I was like with her as they put her under the anesthesia and then wheeled her into the operation room. And the nurse or doctor who was wheeling her in was like, and if you have any music requests, and it was like probably November or December, I mean, it had to be mom got diagnosed on Thanksgiving. So it was like December and they're wheeling her in and the nurse, nurse or doctor is like, do you have any music requests? And my mother goes, um, do you know any Michael Blue play? <laughs> like they're going to play it for it. Like, like that particular nurse is going to like actually sing Michael sing Blue play. <laughs> Like, she do you know it? Like, is it in your repertoire? Like half under and was like, you know what I'd love right now? A little Michael Bublé Christmas. And then the, and the nurse was like, I do. I do know what Michael Bublé. I've heard of him. I was like, yes. thank you. I'm sorry. Then when I went to see her after her procedure, she was wrapped in a little blanket eating crackers because she gets very cold when she comes out of anesthesia. It was very cute. She was just like munching on a cracker. What a cake. What a cake. Um, I have nothing else to say about this movie. It's a wild ride i did enjoy myself watching it this morning i was like this movie has so many flaws but am i entertained yes i feel Um, nothing i wrote down i feel nothing what are we watching next next week we are watching enough said um starring julie louis dreyfus and james gandolfini i predicted probably holland taylor i don't i've seen it before but i don't remember honestly she could just keep showing up if holland taylor is in this movie i I'm seriously like we're becoming a Holland Taylor podcast. What if we just um, watch Holland Taylor movies from here on out? Sounds would great. It be the, would anyone notice? Would it be the same podcast? Probably. Probably. Um, where can prolific. people find us? You can find us on Instagram at hold underscore up underscore pod and on TikTok at hold up podcast. You can uh, join our Patreon, um, which helps keep the lights on around here and our air conditioning going because it's hot in both of our cities. Um, so yeah, or hold up podcast on Patreon. You get bonus content. We watched and talked about fire Island last month. We're talking about, um, the Linda Holmes book flying solo this month, which Carrie hasn't read yet, but I very much enjoyed. So we'll have a fun little conversation about that. And if you want us, and then you can tell us what other shows we're going to watch. Maybe actually not enough. Maybe the week after enough said we should do a Patreon chosen show movie i agree so join join our patreon you can tell us what we're gonna watch um all right yeah thank you and but also if you just want to listen here for free we still love and appreciate you bye bye